Oh, look at that. Fatal error. It's always Glenn. Even when there's just <laughs> two of us, it's always Glenn. <laughs> Unbelievable. What the hell's that about? Dude, I can't believe that happened. Hello, hello, hello. Hey there. Hello. Coming to you from San Diego. Dude, another error. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week 40 of 2023. I'm Chris Louie, and the smoke is finally starting to clear here in Northern California. With me, I do not have my co-host, Havoc the Mouthpiece. He is currently stuck at McCarran Airport playing the slot machines. What do you think the odds are that he's just really like, he's broke, he spent all his money last night, he's all... And he's, or either that or he's passed out somewhere in, the, in, in, in Las Vegas and he's using that as an excuse. I bet he's lounging by the pool. He's getting his tan on. Yeah, I betcha. He's in one show. We told him, we told him to join the podcast from the airport. We thought it'd be hilarious to hear all the background noise, but no, he didn't want to come on. Yeah, it's an odd. Normally he's, he's pretty much game about getting on the pod. So. Yeah, he's not, he's not all in like us too. Should we show? And, and just remember, this time, this one is not on me. <laughs> that is true. But we do have Glenn Medina, the scientist who just came back from watching a Coldplay concert. I don't understand the scientist. What's the scientist have to do with anything, Chris? But I did watch Coldplay. That was actually really cool. That's one of Coldplay's most famous songs called The Scientist. No, it's not. Is it? That's one of Coldplay's most famous songs, The Scientist. I'm surprised they didn't play. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Really? No, science. Okay, well, I gotta go look yeah. that up. It's maybe I heard one it. One of the Okay. I'm gonna go listen to I'm looking for it on now. Spotify right, right now. And maybe I I almost bet you I probably know the song. I just don't know it by title because I'm so bad with titles. But I, I gotta tell you, Chris, it was probably one of the better concerts that I've been to. It wasn't just a bunch of guys that were, you know, dancing on stage and singing. It, it had uh, what did it have? It had wristbands that uh, that glowed and pulsated and and was uh, lighting up the the stadium. And I, if I remember correctly, my daughter told me Taylor Swift had a concert like that as well. So I don't think it was very. It was Coldplay that started that. Maybe it was somebody else. But uh, good show, great music, and the stage was phenomenal. They had lights everywhere laser shows and they had pyrotechnics which is uh, i'm a big fan of right so and they were close so pretty cool it's awesome I, i'm gonna start developing this reputation of the guy that always has to be right but i am right <laughs> i just typed in Coldplay into my spotify the top four songs on spotify for Coldplay: number one the scientist vindicated thank you number two paradise <laughs> Number three, A Sky Full of Stars. And number four, Vida La Vida. Not even yellow? Really? Not even yellow. No, maybe it's number five. The only shows oh. in the top four. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Viva La Vida, is that's the one they got uh, sued over, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, I didn't know about the lawsuit. Tell yeah, me more. there was a lawsuit against them. Yeah, so I think uh, they, they were sued for... Uh, I don't know how many million. We'll we'll have to provide links for that. But they were sued for a song, and I'm thinking it was Viva La Vida. They they took it off of 
another artist. And uh, that was just the case. Yeah, they lost, of my understanding. But great music, by the way. Great music last night. It was a good time. What was scary is they were playing at the new Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego. And I don't know if you, any of you listeners are out there familiar with Snapdragon Stadium. It's the old, uh, not old, it's, it's, it's the old location where the San Diego Chargers used to play. And now uh, San Diego State has opened the stadium, rebuilt it for college football and other events. But it's, ve- it's a very specific SDSU stadium now. And just like any other college campuses, it's not, it's, it's open. There's only two sides, and on the two sides, it's concrete built. Large concrete structure, right? A um, couple of the songs where they had people jumping up and down, you know, to the songs, I thought, I really thought the structure was going to fall apart. You're going to fall. That, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, we were going to fall. Like, like this, oh my this is it. I hope my will is updated. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and, I, and I told the wife, I said, I am so glad the stadium has been open for about a year now. And it's fairly new. I said, I don't want to be in the stadium doing the same uh, concert uh, 10 years from now, because I guarantee you that the concrete and the, the rebar degrade. will not be yeah. as yeah will not be as strong. Yeah, well, glad you made it, Glenn. So I have somebody recorded. I'm not doing a solo episode today. Yeah, anything, anything for my, my buddy Chris here. So and uh, we'll, we'll post some pictures, too, from the event. Yeah, check him out on. I'll probably I'll probably post them on LinkedIn. Cool. No guests this week or next week. We're recording at odd times, so once we are back to our regularly scheduled recording, we have some great guests lined up. And we actually did not decide on this recording time until about thirty minutes ago. So we'll talk about last minute scheduling. Combined, we have decades of information security experience, and are here not just to educate but to entertain. We've got our usual four awesome stories for you, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. It was kind of weird, right? Getting to that thirty minutes before, because uh, I know we didn't we hadn't scheduled till like later this afternoon. So it was like, mm, I'm done. Bre- Deech is not going to be able to join. Let's just get this done as soon as possible. So, yeah, thanks, Brian, for the last minute reschedule. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's always Brian. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to talk about the calm. An old Looney Tunes dilemma. For our third topic, we talk about how Microsoft allowed GP- ChatGPT to break bad. And close with good book talk between two intellectuals. I don't know who those two intellectuals are, but there's only two of us over here. <laughs> <laughs> for our first topic, we are revisiting our big story from last week and will be our ransomware story of the week. My hypothesis that Caesars and MGM were taken down by a bunch of kids who spent at most a week inside the network was proven right. This was not a sophisticated APT group crawling around the wires for months and years beforehand. I have been vindicated, and Brian owes me a bottle of Macallan 18. Pay up, Brian. Pay your bets. This is the best time to call him out, too, because he's not on here to defend himself. Because if if he were on, he, he would say... Uh, I never agreed to that. What are you talking about? Stop casting these aspersions my way. I know. Check them out. (laughs) Well, security researchers, I believe it was Sentinel-1, they uncovered an underground community called the COM that's training Gen Z hackers, and that's COM as in C-O-M. 
they would be in their late teens and early 20s, taking very talented and technical people and radicalizing them into doing nefarious things like hacking into multi-billion dollar multinational corporations. Not only are they training grounds for the next generation of hackers, but also things like sim swapping and violence as a service that we discussed on a previous podcast that violence as a service is you pay someone and you can have someone throw a brick through somebody's window or you could pay someone to do a drive-by shooting violence as a service what a world we live in how was it how did we get here how did we get here chris <laughs> violence as a service like how, how, how do you not connect that and go hey listen you just can't do that right i mean in the world that we lived in I remember when kidnapping was a thing and then it became a federal law that says, you know, you will go to a you know, federal, it's a federal crime to do that. But violence as a service, how is that not bad? Like, how do we, how do we get to this point in our life? Well, there's thugs out there willing to do violence for money. I think the internet probably made it a little bit easier that everything is so interconnected. Now, somebody in the UK can post a help wanted ad on some dark market and say, I'll pay you $500 to go shoot up this house. And if someone's sophisticated enough on the receiving end of uh, the, the doing end of the violence to go onto this dark, dark uh, marketplace that they are just able to connect now or do things over Telegram. That's crazy. We need to just turn off phones. So turn off cell phones for everyone. No yeah, more smartphones. I mean, violence as a service, I guess that... It, it used to be a thing, you know, like lo the loan shark would pay, you know, Vinny to go down and break someone's legs if he didn't get paid. Technically, that's like violence as a service. I think it's just gone global in scale now. Yeah, I guess so, right? Before, it'd be like the local thugs. You go yeah. to them and they take care of it. Now, your reach is pretty far. Yeah, now there's Love a whole marketplace it for it. Yeah. 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 Globalization. We've won, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. What is this like? Uh, the globalists like have won. Uber, it's like the Uber of thugs. Can I, can I hire, or like, is it Drizzly or Uber Eats? Like, can I Uber punch, you know, something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Uber somebody Uber punch shoot, in the face. Uber kill. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that the attackers for Caesars and MGM, they're both highly skilled and not at the same time. They, they have proven themselves very talented at initial access using things like social engineering and MFA bombing, if you remember those lapses kids from a while ago. But their lack of experience shows with very poor OPSEC as seen by those lapses kids that got scooped up. They don't know how to cover their tracks. They brag too much online. They just haven't really learned the, I guess, the meta side, of the, the soft skills of being a hacker. I, I think that'll just come with time. Right. We just heard of a new group that just popped up and I guarantee you they'll refine their skills and tactics to, to be a little bit better next time. I think so. I, I think it also comes with age that they're they're too young, they're too talented, and that sort of lends itself to the idea that, you know, ransomware gangs are businesses, that they need a manager, they need a father figure, a parental figure, maybe a mother figure, they need some kind of mentor to teach them that you guys are really, really good at doing this, but let me teach you all the stuff you should not be doing at the same time. So maybe there's some kind of mentorship program on the, in the com. Yeah. Well, that, is that the com is, is that the folks that are training the Gen Z hackers or are there, is there like a, that's the group itself, right? So I imagine they're, they're they got to make this better. It can't be another set of 16 year olds just, just driving this thing. 
the com is a community. So all these kids go there and they swap tricks and I guess post things to latest malware tools, latest malware tactics. They radicalize each other there. But what they need is some kind of mentorship that if they want to do something well, they're not doing good. They want to do something well, then they need that mentorship there. They need to learn how to cover their tracks better. They need to learn. Don't be in the US or the UK because you will get picked up. You need to be from an Eastern Bloc country or hide your tracks better. Yeah. Well, so get this straight. Like, I think the, the reported, it's in the millions. The losses? Right? How? Yeah, the losses so far were like 20, 30 million. A day. I would say on the low side, 100 million. On the high side, 200, 300 million total. By, an, by a somewhat, somewhat, uh, a, from a somewhat up, a, a coordinated attack, right? This was coordinated to some extent, but not not really. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's there, there's that meme that says, you know, I there's a picture of you know Drake saying, looking saying no and saying disgusting. You know, one million for cybersecurity, no way. And then the next picture, Drake looking excited, ten million to pay a ransom. Heck yes. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So I had some friends that were in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling me that they couldn't even take Starbucks gift cards, right, or cards. They had to pay everything cash, or if they did, they had to write everything down. It was, he said, it was really bad. Back to the Stone Age. I'm surprised they didn't have those old credit card, the the thing with the carbon copy. You go chuk chuk. That you make. That's a copy the, of the last credit card thing, thing I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I would never let you swipe my card that way. <laughs> How oh, far we've come, goodness. Glenn. For, from that old machine that goes chuk chuk, and now now you just tap your phone on the screen, and now then you can pay. Uh, that's crazy! Oh my gosh! And I just remember, like I, when I worked at a, you know a department store a long time ago, that's actually how we rung stuff up. It wasn't by it wasn't by um, by the by the point of sale machines. It was hey, I'm going to make this transaction. I'm going to slide this card, and then you, you see that credit card transaction like 20 days later show up. Yeah. Yeah, and then you you have to ask for the carbon too. You remember that you ask for the carbon yeah. because you throw that in the trash. It's got a copy of your an imprint of your card on it. Well, yeah, for the longest time, and then they, you know they got smart, and finally they made those receipts without carbons. Right, it was automatically yep. uh, the, the carbonless ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trip down yeah. memory lane for sure. Unbelievable! Oh gosh. Well, in August. 2023 Cyber Safety Review Board, CSRB, report on those lapses kids recommended that the U.S. Congress explore funding juvenile cybercrime prevention programs. And I definitely agree with that. It's more important than ever to set youth on the right path. Sort of like Brian, when his guidance counselor said, Brian is very intelligent and shows great potential, but applies himself improperly. And I think that's what these... <laughs> kids are doing nowadays if you can intervene early enough have them do good and they could have a brilliant career in cybersecurity. yeah gotta send them to camp camp hack <laughs> or the opposite is true what's that or the opposite is true they they serve their jail time and then the fbi will hire them it's like you're really yeah. good at sort of like that catch me if you can thing you know frank abagnale he's one of the best fraud prevention people now and he was one of the most notorious fraudsters out there that's right. Yeah. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, 10-minute phone call. Allegedly, that's what it all it took. A 10-minute phone call to social engineer somebody's account, and now it's you can't turn on the news without some Las Vegas-related story being on there. Yeah, but, I mean, I they're still recovering, right? I mean, it's still... It's not over. They claimed earlier in this week they were back up, back to normal. I don't know what normal is. Like all the slot machines are back online. The online check-in systems are back online. I want. I was hoping Brian could, could come on because he's he's in Vegas right now. I want him to right. give us the the download on what it what's working, what's going on, how things are going there. Well, that's probably why he's delayed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The airport's down. <laughs> <laughs> airport's still down. Yeah. So. For our second topic, we have another ransomware story. Do you, Glenn, do you remember watching Looney Tunes when Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck would get into an argument over what hunting season it is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There would be a flyer posted on a telephone pole that says duck season, and then Daffy pulls it down to reveal a flyer saying rabbit season, and then Bugs Bunny would pull that one down, revealing a flyer saying duck season, and the skit would go on and on, and Elmer Fudd would be in like the background trying to figure out who he should shoot. Well, <laughs> it seems to be happening in the ransomware world. Just this month, the US FBI issued a private sector warning based on data they've observed over the last few months. When they're not pressuring social media companies into taking down content they disagree with, the FBI observed that ransomware victims are often getting hit with two different strains of ransomware within days of each other. There are two theories of why this is happening. The first theory is that the initial access broker that breaks into the company's network then sells that initial access to more than one ransomware group. The two or more groups get into the network, deploy their own strains of ransomware, effectively creating a duck season, rabbit season situation. Now that's smart, right, yeah. Glenn? Selling initial access yeah. to multiple groups. It's like there's no loyalty. Yeah. <laughs> it's whoever whoever oh pays gosh. me for this access gets it. That's so smart. But think about it. I mean, he that that person makes out in the end from like even if, let's say even that a sidebar discussion it's like, hey, listen, I'm gonna sell this to you and I get five, ten percent of whatever you make on top of that when you're inside already. Like after after you've been able to exfiltrate stuff. I don't know if those types of negotiations are happening, but it, it'd be very interesting to hear how they negotiate those things. Sometimes it's a cut. Sometimes it's just a flat fee that says for ten thousand dollars, I'll give you access to a U.S. healthcare company with thirty thousand employees, and that, that's usually how they advertise it on these underground forums. No honor among thieves, though, right? Because you're selling it at two, three, four times, five times. Yeah, that's so that's going like... to be the next thing. I think the next evolution in initial access broker is like I'll sell it to you, but for for ten thousand more, I'll sell it only to you. Sort of like those zero day yeah. brokers that say. I'll yeah. sell the zero day to anyone who pays, but if you give me double, then I'll only sell it to you. <laughs> Could you imagine? He's trying to sell it, and everybody, the like first person with access gets it. They're in there for five minutes, and they're trying to patch everything else in between. So they're helping out the the guy that's being raided by by <laughs> preventing others from getting it. <laughs> yeah, that that that's not a bad theory too. That so that actually does happen with. I guess more like those IoT botnets that whoever lands mm -hmm. on that that vulnerable IoT device first, they close the back door that let them get in, and then they wipe out any other malware that's on it so that they can get exclusive use of it. But that that's not a bad strategy. That once you get yeah. in, 
change the password of the account that got you in and you know create your own your own back doors there just so this doesn't happen to you yeah that's funny crazy so what do you think is going on like uh you think this is going to be the next per, the next motion of of attacks is basically the service that allows people to 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 sell off access yeah i mean it's definitely happening now it's just i i guess we haven't seen more than one group in there but i guess these initial access brokers says well there's nothing in the contract that says i have to only sell it to you therefore i'm just gonna sell to as many people that will pay me they're just trying yeah. to diversify their their income streams there well we haven't really qualified like how much they're selling these things for right is it a dollar is it ten thousand or is it a you know fifty thousand yeah it, it varies some things like expose rdp that's relatively cheap. Uh, it depends on the size of the company, the vertical of the company as well. Like if you can mm-hmm. get into like a U.S. federal contractor, that's probably worth a lot more than some mom and pop retail store. You think uh, the other foreign governments or attackers are like, hey, let's let's go ahead and pay this because this is easy in? Oh, I'm sure it happens. Like, yeah. Saves the NSA yeah. some work. They'll just say, yeah, here's some illicit yeah. bitcoin that we have laying around let's let's buy some access into you know the saudi government servers yeah now do you think this will ever stop I, i'm just you know you go back on this is like is it do we need more laws do we need better laws do we need tougher you know tougher things that happen like for your actions you do this you got caught so therefore you get the death penalty i, I don't know like i said it's just kind of weird right or you, know, you just get a slap on the hand like you can like the homeless people do Right. No one's really obeying laws these days, right? So, what's the repercussion for doing something like this? It's very, hard, it's a very hard problem to solve, just because so many of these ransomware groups and initial access brokers they live in countries that won't prosecute, they won't extradite. You know, until we shore up our better defenses, we're, we're not going to stop the attacker side. We have to stop it on the defense side, make it so hard, and that that actually brings up a sort of a, a parallel, a corollary to it is that things like the Windows kernel or the iOS kernel, we've hardened iOS so much that there's some company in Russia now, a zero day broker, they're paying like 20 million, so 20 million US dollars if you can provide a chain of exploits to give them a zero click road code execution bug that we've hardened it so much now that that's what it's worth. It, 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 they're so hard to find that it's worth $20 million now if you're able to, to find it. Wow, oh, $20 million. That's some serious change. Yeah, but That's when you have around. companies out there with security appliances that shall remain unnamed that come out with a zero day basically every other month, well, it's not that hard to get into that now. Yeah. That's, it's software, right? At the end of the day, it's 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 software running on hardware, so therefore it can and will be attacked. There's not there's not a hundred percent on anything. I think it's you and I can both agree on that. Even on software, it's right? Detection and response. It's 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 very hard to protect. You have to do it on the de- detection and response side. Yeah. Hence, the... zero trust, my folks. Yeah. Zero trust <laughs> is the key. Absolutely. The second theory of why these ransomware crews are deploying multiple strains is that it's a single ransomware group that's in, but they're diversifying and mitigating their risk. 
For example, if our detections for LockBit ransomware have become too good, they may deploy Medusa Locker at the same time, hoping that one goes through just in case LockBit gets caught, detected, or stopped. Either that, or if one group has a flaw in their encryption, and we have seen ransomware groups that don't implement encryption correctly, so there's a master decryptor for it, well, they still can't decrypt the files because the other ransomware strain. The problem arises when from these duck season, rabbit season situations is the victim's data can get encrypted multiple times. The FBI reports a single victim had their files encrypted five times because when one ransomware strain sees files without their file extension, it encrypts it, even if it's already been encrypted by another ransomware strain. What a time to be alive. Holy cow. Like... You pay the ransom, <laughs> it gets unencrypted. I that, mean, you think that, it's that takes care of one like, layer, <laughs> and someone else has has, has crapped all over it. <laughs> what a surprise for for that IT admin! He's like, oh, all right, cool. We're we paid the ransom, we got the key. Let's get back online." Oh, there's four more layers of encryption below this. <laughs> yeah, and then it's this different group, and then you go back and you find out. Oh, wait, wait! It was the first group that I had. Two groups later, that encrypted it again. After they saw it was it was a different different file. When it, in actuality, it was the same file. How crazy is that? Duck season, rabbit season. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Maybe the ransomware will get smarter and check if the file is actually encrypted already. Then it'll it'll stop. So. <laughs> when do you think those guys are like, hey, hey guys, like you just you just crapped up my shit, like get out of here. Yeah, yeah, they'll kick them out. Yeah, it, it's hard to a- attribute it to. You know which group is doing it, but you don't know which affiliate is doing it. Uh, and... all, all those things are signed by somebody. Come on, man. Yeah. You don't think everybody wants to get paid? So whatever, yeah. whoever, whatever gets everyone paid, and then they have them fight it out. Yeah, uh, lovely. For our third topic, it's been a bit since we've had a good generative AI story. ChatGPT has been behaving for the most part, which is a good sign. This time, it's Microsoft's Bing chatbot powered by ChatGPT. That's the problem. Bing Chat used to be fine, but wanting to make back some of that $10 billion investment they made into OpenAI, Microsoft had the brilliant idea to start including ads in the Bing chatbot responses. Just like when Google started adding ads to their search results, threat actors wasted no time buying up and publishing malicious advertisements. The scam works like this. If I ask the Bing chatbot, where can I download a copy of the popular software program Wireshark? It will then respond with, you can download Wireshark off their official website. The chat response includes a malicious ad at the top that's made to look like a link to the official Wireshark download site, but actually takes you to a clone site with a Trojaned version of the program or a web page with a pop-up that has one of those Microsoft Defender scam call centers on it. The official link to Wireshark is posted below the ad, but if you're not used to looking out for things like this, or you click too fast, you can easily click the wrong link. Now, I played around with Bing Chatbot for a bit, and I found that having uBlock Origin installed will block all ads, including malicious advertisements. So follow the FBI's guidance, ladies and gentlemen, and install an ad blocker. That's a good one. That's a simple fix right there. Get an ad blocker to get rid of that. But the, the the one that's interesting for me is the fact that why would you ask, like, 
Why would you ask chat AI for a download link to Wireshark? It's because it's natural language. Then Microsoft's really pushing it. Even Bing, if you go to their Bing search page, a, a mm -hmm. lot of the top results at the top are powered by uh, the, the chat bot. So if I, even if I just type in the words download Wireshark into Bing, it might still, still pop this up. So I, I think probably corporate enterprises would be safe because they have a URL content filter, right? So something in down the path can block that request or hopefully whatnot. maybe you don't think so it's part of that if that only if that url's been reported as malicious mm. and especially if that mm. that malicious file is delivered over tls and they don't have ssl inspection turned on that's another one how, how much do you think companies out there are doing tls inspection now that you know, 90, I mean, basically the internet's gone dark, right? Everything is SSL. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, what do you think I, I would say it's, out it's, there? it's definitely not enough. Yeah. I would say sub 50% of companies are doing it. And, and of the, of the companies that are doing it, I would say that their rate of inspection, the percentage of traffic they actually are inspecting, I would say is not, not high enough either. Yeah. Well, let's 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 roll it back further. Why don't we think that this is being being decrypted? Why 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 are companies not doing that? Too difficult. I've I've too heard every, Yeah, I've heard them. I've heard every reason. Yeah, too hard to implement. Legal won't let us. Compliance won't let us. We value customer or employee privacy over security. I mean, sure, it drives the security people crazy when they hear something like that. It, it's true. I hear. I would say it's more the case here on the west coast that a lot of companies respect their employees privacy to their detriment that they won't inspect certain traffic that is has a high potential for having malware delivered through it and yeah. in some countries it's very difficult to do that even though there are ways to do it and comply with it i think that especially i'm, I'm thinking like the eu and the privacy guidelines there you can you can definitely yeah. inspect the traffic but there are some guidelines that you have to follow when doing it yeah, you know what's nice about, I, I said, you know what I do, right? I you have an enterprise browser. What's nice about that is we're pre and post SSL encryption, so it, it, we can see everything uh, from a browser standpoint. Uh, it, it'd be interesting to see how you can get that paired up and, and get a policy where you can you can you are able to stop those types of attacks. You know, paired it with a, a network security tool, right? Looking down the path. Right, and that's where things like EDR would come in. So EDR still definitely has a place on the endpoint, but EDR has its perils as well. Uh, it, it's sometimes to be heavy, it can be clunky. You use something like Process Terminator, and you can you can kill it uh, relatively with relative ease. And there's some interesting attacks out there on how they can defeat EDR, but it, it's definitely got its place in a defense and depth strategy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm with you. It's not a single solution, Chris. It's got to be multiple solutions that help build that that uh, that fence, right? That ring, in order to uh, protect our customers here. Uh, what's interesting, though, for this, I mean, if we go back to the whole thing, like shame on Microsoft. I, I know they got to make the ten million, the ten billion back, right? But really, ads inside of a conversational chat, I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I just, it just. I'm confounded by this. And I'm, I would say 
I'm not morally opposed to having ads on Bing and and chatbots. What I am concerned about is the level of vetting that they have for their advertisements. And same with Google. Google was serving up tons yeah. of malicious ads with with AdWords and their their search results. If they had a better vetting process and this wasn't like fully automated with AI machine learning, you put humans in there. It takes a human five seconds to click on this and know that it's a phishing link. Uh, an yeah. educated human, I would say, but with the amount of ad traffic that they have, they want to they want to make as much money as possible. It's a very high margin business, and yeah. you know why not throw people at the problem? Yeah, it, it, this reminds me, um, and this is probably going to be scary. Is think about things like like yeah, I think it was like maybe ten years ago, boxers started sell, um, selling their skin on the back of their fights to advertisers right like yeah. <laughs> uh, you would see them with right. a tattoo or a sticker or something like that on their back you saw it on the shorts you see advertising everywhere right and then you know you fast forward a little bit you watch a movie i think it was minority report as your eyes got scanned there would be specific target ads as you walk through a subway or a bus right. station or, or a public location i, I think we're going to get to a point and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna die and this is going to kill me if i ever see this i mean you see it in your kindle right you 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 open the kindle up you read a book before you can order a book. You open the page, and it what's the thing that's inside there? There's an ad, right? It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be pervasive, and I've got this feeling like you open your car door to your Mercedes, your BMW, pick your car, Toyota, whatnot, and then on the screen before you do anything, you get served with an ad to before you can start your car, and you got to you got to watch it. And if you want to unlock that, then it's an additional five thousand dollars to drive your car. Right? That's going to be <laughs> without ads. <laughs> without ads, yeah. It's like, oh my god, this is going to be crazy. Remove but I think ads. Put that upsell. Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be. It's an ugly thing. It's it's such an ugly thing. Like, where do we stop with ads? And, and not not. And I don't mind good ads. I don't. What I don't want are bad ads that are maliciousness in nature. Right. But just like we talked about. I remember there was, I forgot we talked about it on the show, but there was a smartphone maker out there. It might have been Huawei or one of those low-cost phone makers that basically said on the lock screen, it would show an ad. And to unlock your phone, you would have to watch like a five-second ad before your phone would unlock. Hulu, right? Come on. Like yeah. <laughs> you, the, the Hulu service, some of these services. Like where are these ads coming from? I thought I actually paid for this to not have ads. Yeah. And you, and you hear it. That's unbelievable. But, you know, maybe we need to flip this around and go, listen, you can have all the ads you want, but at some point in time, the hosting service that presents those ads has to be clean. Some some level of service has to be behind there that says, listen, we're not going to serve dirty ads or dirty links. Yeah, they have to vet it. it, it and that's, that's the key. You have to have a better vetting process. You can't just let anybody buy ads or hijack someone's account and then place these malicious ads out there. So do you think that's the key then is like folks like Google and Microsoft have to do better? It's like, hey, be better. You know, just don't take money for advertising space, but actually validate that you are a true company and what you're valid, what you're advertising for is something that's not malicious and intent. I think Google is starting to get there. The the parallel I was going to draw was Google can't even keep bad apps out of their google play store like there's google play verified and there's like google play mm -hmm. verified apps of like malicious apps out there i think one of the things that google play is going to do is is for developer accounts 
the one requirement is they're going to require you to have a Duns number. So you have to have, be a registered company with Duns and Bradstreet. They at least verify that you're a real corporation, you're a real entity. And mm -hmm. that that's yet another step in the right direction. So maybe to buy some ads on Microsoft or Google, you have to have a Duns number. You have to be a registered corporation or a company uh, before you can do that. I mean, raising that bar, I think, would help like keep out the riffraff. Then you go back, right? What about the tiny mom and pop shop? The, the the guy that's working out of his garage in order to to do software development on his own is he going to have a Duns number? You can't. I don't, I don't know what the process is or how much it's going to cost, but yeah, it's going to raise the bar yeah. for for what 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 they need. And actually, I, I take that back. I think for Google Play, I think the Duns requirement is only for apps that have a hundred thousand installs or more. There's some threshold to not mm -hmm. price out these mom and pop stores or you know the the developer that does this for fun on the weekends yeah I, I think that's what everyone liked about google right was that they were very open you could you could build things real quick you could take things down you build it there and if it works and it takes off as a hit then then you can go develop it for for ios right and have that backing because yeah. at the end of, at the end of all that people like that application playing in a, on an iphone especially if they see their buddy on their their android playing with a, an app that's not available in Apple. Apple's very close and they still can't even keep malicious apps out of the Apple app store. <laughs> it's way lower than Google for sure, but it, there's no system yeah. that's perfect. Again, you you have to have that human element in it and I get it. Humans don't scale, but you also don't want to serve malicious ads either. Yeah. Well, I don't think either one's going to start start, start being better anytime soon. Even though you know they, one of them may have a slogan that says "Do no evil." The question is, you know, can do no evil at the point where it doesn't affect um, marketing money, right? Money. Yeah. So, exactly. I, yeah, Until it, do no evil that. unless it affects the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> For our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about any good books you've read or listened to lately. Since Brian doesn't read, this is a good topic to have between us two, Glenn. Oh God, <laughs> you're in the condition that I read. <laughs> well, I know you. I know you're an Audible subscriber. I'm a very much an Audible subscriber. So, uh, go ahead, you first. Yeah. So I, I finished Atomic Habits by James Clear. This one came really, really highly rated on Amazon. Uh, I think I probably had too high of expectations for it. It had some good strategies, and I can see it fitting. I don't think it was great for me for trying to develop good habits. Like, I, I can see where he's coming from. I can see how some it would benefit some people. I just don't think it's my style of how to develop good habits. I have my own system that, that I use, and uh, I'll probably take some of the strategies and, and use them, but I, I I think I had a lot higher expectations uh, for for that. Uh, did you read or listen? I did listened you to that read, one. Read or, you listened to it. Yeah. Do you think that one would be different if you had just read it because you could understand the platform of what they were trying to deliver differently? I, I don't think so. There's, I mean, there's like worksheets and stuff that he provides on his website, but even mm -hmm. then, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think the techniques and styles that he proposes, I don't think they're compatible with how I operate. But it, it, it feels really highly rated, <laughs> highly rated. Uh, so it might, yeah, it, it, it might be for you. Yeah. It's, it, I don't think it was for me. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, like I'm, 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 as my wife would tell me, I'm half past dead, right? So I'm of a, <laughs> of a certain age that would be considered a, a large number, right? A, a number that I'm over the hill. And I just think, you know, how do you read a book about changing your habits or atomic habits when you've had them for the last many, many, many years, right? So yeah, you have to and, be willing to change. I think that was the other side of that for me. Some of the stuff he talks about it are things that I already practiced. Like one of the tenants of building good habits is make bad habits expensive. Like so, and and these things I already do. Like I brush my teeth after dinner. That severely cuts down on the amount of snacking I do after dinner. Uh, when you eat junk food, poured into a bowl and every out of the bag, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I do do that already. So for all these bad habits you're trying to break, make them harder, make them more expensive. One thing that was interesting, he said, though, is like if you mm -hmm. play too much video games after you're done playing video games, unplug the system, lock it in a closet. So every time you want to play, it's a huge hassle for you to set everything back. I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I can see that that working. I don't think I have any addictions like that. I need. Maybe I work too much. Maybe that's the habit I need to break. Lock up my work laptop <laughs> after dinner. <laughs> can you go put that inside the, uh, can you store that in the cupboard and have Grace throw with the key for yeah. about four hours? You'd, you'd probably kill yourself if you didn't have that, that type I'll, of access. I'll set up my, my Zscaler instance to block all corporate applications during a certain hour. Uh, the yeah. time-based rule. <laughs> nice. What else did you have? What else? Fancy Bear goes fishing. This is, this is a very good one. It's information security related. It talks, it's, it's, it's basic enough that the average person could understand it, but it also goes really in depth enough that I still enjoyed it. So I, I think this was good. It, it goes into, you know, what's a virus, what's a worm, what's the, you know, the Morris worm, the I love you virus, the Melissa virus. It, it talks about the origins of things. Then it talks about things like the Paris Hilton hack, the DNC hack. It goes into some specific examples. It goes pretty deep in, into that. I enjoyed this one. This was a bit of a long book. It was a long listen, but I thought this one was was well worth it. It's called Fancy Bear Goes Fishing. I'll link through to them in the, the show notes as well. Yeah, that's a good one. Any others or is that the... the... Uh, the last one I'm in the middle of right now is, is The Cuckoo's Egg by Cliff Stoll and... This has been on my to-read list for a very, very long time. I've wanted to read it. I, I, I know the premise of the story, and it was really interesting to me. But actually, starting, I'm about a third of the way through, and it's, it's really good. Okay. This is one of those edge of your seat type books, and I didn't expect it to be. I expected to be a guy telling a story about how he caught a hacker in his, his network, but it is written in a style that's edge of your seat. It's laugh out loud funny at some points, which I, again, I did not expect that from this book uh, i think i'm gonna enjoy this one uh, through the end that's nonfiction. that's a that, that's a true story it's about a guy that worked at lawrence berkeley labs he saw a 75 okay. cent discrepancy in the accounting software of for computer compute time he chased it and he found like this international hacker in his his network oh wow but pulling i think all you those and threads, i have yeah yeah well, you like that the kind yeah. of got you into it huh yeah. Okay. I, I guess I'm gonna have to go look at those two. Atomic. I'll. I'll I, Atomic was really hard for me. Um, Fancy Bear goes fishing. I'm gonna put that on my list, and so is Cuckoo's Edge. That actually sounds really cool. Yeah. The. Uh, yeah. Any others? Is that those are your top top? Those three? are those are my top three. I don't want to drone on too long, but I, I've read yeah. a bunch. But I wanted to talk about these three in particular. So I, I'm the total opposite. I, I I like fiction. I like. I like listening, James, reading. James Carr, There's, right? 
James Carr is one. Um, Vince Flynn, he, he's passed away. He's since passed away. And another yeah, author, case, um, Kyle Mills. Yeah, I'll, I'll, Kyle Mills has taken over. But I like that CIA kind of mystery um, thriller type. Uh, I get into that, right? It's, it's For me, it's very, uh, it takes me away from things. And then I'm a big, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I love James Bond. Like James Bond, I'm a big James Bond fan. So Ian when is it James Bond week? Yeah, James Bond week or James Bond month? I think it's October, November. It's a it's a good time for me because I like to watch all the shows. Although they're now they're getting a little long. It's like wow, I I can't believe I I really like that. I thought it was kind of weird, you know. So, but that's that's where Get Smart came from, right? The the spoof on that. Yeah. Um, awesome powers too. So, yeah, yeah. Vince Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills on the they call it the Mitch Rap series. It's, I think I like to say it's close to like. 15 books so far. So I like to get them all, line them all up. And I, you know, I listen to them serially and I do it over and over because I just like the stories that are inside there. And then of course, Jack Carr, Terminal List, a couple of others, but uh, the other one that I'm trying to, I was trying to make my way through is, uh, is, uh, what was that? That was um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Oh, and Jocko Willink. Yeah. I read that one. That was yeah, very, very yeah. good. I love all of Jocko's yeah. books. I have, a number of them. I, I think that's because it was military base is why I, I, I like the book. So, but yeah, some really good ones. Yeah. Yeah. It, and he and leaf, they, they tell it in a really good way. They, they tell a military story. I, I think it's the mm-hmm. former, right? They tell a military story. They talk about like the lessons learned and then they talk about how it applies to business. Yeah. 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 That, so, I like that one a lot for sure. Uh, Vince Flynn yeah, was but... a big fan of the company I used to work for. I used to work for Iron Key. So Vince Flynn was a fan of Iron okay. Key. And he would he would do product placement of Iron Key in his books. And we didn't pay him or anything. He was just a big fan of it. So he would say like this really? spy plugged in an Iron Key flash drive into his computer. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have so copies. Have to search for that now. We used nice. to have copies of his book in the Iron Key lobby with the, a bookmark to the page where he talks about Iron Key in there. Yeah, I guarantee you he had stock in Iron Key. <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. yeah that's too funny yeah those, those are good uh, so are you in the middle of extreme ownership right now or is it on your to read list it's on my I, I started it I, I, I have this thing um, I, I go through one chapter if, I, if I'm intrigued I continue on if I'm not I put it down and I save it for later, but I know and some things I save for later, some things I save never. Like, it's like you're, you're coming off the list. Like I I don't want to read you again. Um, That one, I know I just need to get to um, once I'm done getting through, you know, some of the other things that I want to read first. Yeah. 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 That that one's a good one. And that one, it, you, you can pick it up and put it down because each chapter I think it's relatively independent of each other. At least the sections are. Mm-hmm. So that one is one that you can pick up and put down if you need to to make a change. Yeah, but you you don't you're not a big nonfiction guy. You don't. Uh... No, I'm a big nonfiction guy. I think I exclusively read nonfiction. No, I mean, what about fiction? You don't like fiction? I do. I, I used to read a lot of Tom Clancy before he passed. I think in his in Tom Clancy's later years, I think he stopped writing so much himself. He would write like mm-hmm. the premise and the skeleton of the story. And he'd have other people finish it for him, write everything in the middle. But the the yeah. Jack Ryan stuff, the uh, I forgot something Clark, like the Rainbow Six, 
ones, the mm-hmm. Jack Ryan stuff for sure. Uh, really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, the, the nomenclature that he has. I mean, the some of the things, the details that he has with the ships and the weapons and things are like, where did he pull this out of? Because this is some great detail about a weapon or a weapon system. Like, oh my gosh, this is really good. And then you're like, he's got well, military advisors. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. he's got military advisors. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. he's ever been criticized for for falsifying things or. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like I remember Dan Brown. He would he would always have that disclaimer at the beginning of his book, all technologies in this book actually exist. Like, do they really, do we have little bugs that are the size of a fly that can recharge <laughs> by sitting near an, near an electromagnetic yeah. field? Like, do, do those really exist? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's your mind. Yeah. If it, given enough time, if I had time to read everything, I'd, I'd read some fiction, but I, I've been focusing on nonfiction and, things that I guess are self-improvement, I guess. I, it either improves my knowledge of cybersecurity or improves my knowledge of leadership. Yeah. I, I, I look at it the other way. I spend about 20 hours of my day thinking about work and everything surrounded around cyber. Yeah. I, I need some time outside of that just to that's decompress true. my mind Yeah, and just get out of that. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing they talk about in Atomic Habits. If you do things for fun for where you work, you need different habit spaces and like, all right, yeah, I shouldn't be working in places that I should be having fun. Even though, like, my computer setup, I use it for online gaming and I use it for work. So I don't, I don't know how I'll do that. Hmm. Uh, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. Hoping to save us from the two stinkers in a row. So stick with us, audience. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. That's the joke already, folks. (laughs) How do you determine how heavy a red hot chili pepper is? How do you determine? You give it away, give it away, give it away now. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. I got to say, that was better than the last two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) But you also have to be a red chili pepper fan. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, that's. I think everybody can figure yeah. out that's so like give it away, give it away, give it away. Could you imagine that's yeah. been thirty years now since they probably yeah big big, big. yeah, yeah. in the nineties for sure yeah yeah. I remember going to Lollapalooza out there to go to listen to them. That's crazy. That was nice. a long time ago. Dating yourself, Glenn. I am very much dating myself. I'll stop right now. I'll let you close this out. <laughs> All right. To wrap things up. I was right, and Brian was wrong about MGM's dwell time. Ransomware attacks are using multiple strains of malware now. Bing's chatbot is now serving up malware. And go and read a book. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram, at Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host, Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. And I'm going to end it this way. You should have seen the look Chris gave me when I said Lollapalooza. He had to sit there and kind of stare at me and go, <laughs> what, what, what is that? Is that like, <laughs> is that like Woodstock? <laughs> I know what Lollapalooza is, Glenn. I'm not that old, that young. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Have a nice day.